0: Thanks for coming back for another episode of the Weld.com podcast. Today I have with me Craig Cowan. He is also known as the Barefoot Forge. He is a maker here in the Pittsburgh community. He is a blacksmith and he also does some welding. Um, I found him on Instagram actually searching hashtag Pittsburgh welding and here he is. So um, Craig, go ahead and just introduce yourself to everyone for those who may not know who you are.
1: Hello, people of the internet. I'm Craig. Um, I run a blacksmithing and metalworking school out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We, uh, we teach people to make stuff and, and hopefully send them home with the new skills and excitement of playing with metal. So um, I got into this a long time ago. Uh, been doing this since 2005 maybe and uh, as a hobby and then somehow it evolved into a business and uh, now I do this full-time. I teach people to make stuff.
0: So you, you have definitely opened my eyes to the maker community. I really don't know how I've gone so far in the welding industry for you know 10 plus years and then I haven't had anybody that I've come across like you who has you know, of course, I've seen those roses being made and I ne- just never put two and two together that you would need to be like forging those as well as welding those. So let's tell everyone a little bit about, I came to see you and you're, I loved your shop. I loved all the different things that you had there. And I started asking you questions about, you know, the roses, because I know that that's a simple beginner welding thing and I'm actually gonna be coming to one of your intro to welding classes pretty soon so that I can um, share like how you set up your class and questions that you're frequently asked and stuff like that. Do you wanna share something about um, the different kinds of projects like the railroad spike bottle opener and stuff so, like
1: that? So Yeah, so my specialty is teaching beginners, um, beginner classes in various metal, you know, things. So the two big ones we do is an intro to welding class and a uh, beginner blacksmithing class, which our class is based on making a bottle opener out of a railroad spike. And that project was really engineered. That class has been taught, I think we've ran that class almost a thousand times, which is crazy. And that class has come together and been engineered to showcase specific skills and go over specific information. So even though the project itself isn't that cool and it isn't, you know, necessarily the hardest thing. um, The class is designed around that project to, I don't know. I mean, now that everything comes in cans, it doesn't make as much sense. All the good beers are (laughs) not in bottles, but we still make bottle openers. Uh, And then the roses class sort of combines the welding and the forging in a very, very basic level. Cause you do get to weld in that class mm-hmm. and we call that our date night class. Cause we get a lot of couples that come in and they're just there to have some fun and go home with something cool. So there's not a whole lot of learning in that class, but it's just a cool experience. Mm-hmm. And then we do an intro to welding classes where we go over all the fundamentals of what you would need to uh, buy a welder, set up a welder and start repairing or building things at home.
0: So the roses thing, I actually shared that on my personal page too, because I thought that it would be an interesting idea for just like girls night too. I know yeah. you You said you can only have like a limited number of people at a time for that. How many people did you say you do at a time? We do
1: four student classes right now. But the exciting thing that I started telling people just the other day is uh, we're getting a new shop that's way bigger. And the reason for that is so we can start doing bigger events and, you know, we could do bridal parties, we could do whatever. Yeah. Um, so soon those class sizes will go up so you can have yeah. bigger, more fun groups.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea because, I mean, think about even like like those paint parties, like how you go and like you like all paint a picture. I think that this is like such a better idea because we've done that, you know what I mean? This is something that a lot of people have not had the opportunity to go, learn something and also do something like it's an experience you know
1: yeah and it's interesting and what's cool for me is it introduces people that otherwise wouldn't be introduced to that set of skills or knowledge or material Uh, i mean it's really fun to watch soccer moms swinging a hammer at hot metal for the first time and and they love it
0: yeah yeah i think some of them are
1: really scared of the welding that's that's always really entertaining because they don't know that they are gonna get to do some welding and they don't really come prepared for that. So it can be really entertaining to watch someone who just for the first, they knew nothing about welding and they didn't think they were there to weld and then they just welded. And it's really cool to watch the smile come over their face.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) you have a guest there? What's that? You have a guest there? No it was that
1: i don't i don't know i don't know what that was
0: why did it look like a clone of you
1: what, what was it
0: i have not had to edit this podcast the whole time. <laughs> well, i don't
1: i don't know that you all have to edit it now either but um just a yeah. reminder jessica this is not a visual podcast so what? <laughs> what are you you have to describe what happened
0: uh, somebody just came behind you and it looked like they were literally like a double of you, like a stunt double. I don't know who it was. You have a brother?
1: No, I have two brothers, but they're not here.
0: Oh, somebody was there and they just popped into the screen. It's fine. I'll edit it. I have not had to edit this the whole entire time I've done this podcast. That just cracked me up so bad. Leave
1: it in. Let the people know.
0: Okay. <laughs> so a cool video that you did on youtube you have your own youtube channel as well and i was looking at um you know some of the videos you posted and one that struck me was the hammerhead shark actually made out of hammerheads
1: yes it's a hammerhead based shark
0: yeah it is
1: entirely hammerhead based so i took the two most popular in the blacksmithing world three pound harbor freight hammers and I just took two of those and I cut them up and I thought, you know what, this looks a lot like a hammerhead shark. Um, it really didn't, but if you cut it up and put it back together just right, you can turn a couple of hammerheads into a hammerhead shark.
0: Yeah, and my favorite part is that you did that video and your commentary during that video made it sound like it was on the Discovery Channel for Shark Week.
1: Yeah. So that, I actually did that for shark week. So um, as weird as this sounds at one point in my business career, shark week was my biggest uh, business week of the year, not Christmas. So I just, I figured out, I did the market research that shark week is really popular hashtag wise and whatnot on Instagram. And I took that opportunity to plan ahead and know that, you know, there's a lot of discussion of Shark Week and there's a lot of content being consumed for Shark Week. But other than this, than the Discovery Channel, not a lot of people are making content. So I started forging shark teeth and shark related things and I sold a bunch of shark teeth and somehow magically Shark Week grew my Instagram account more than basically anything else I've ever done
0: yeah I love that video. Yeah. um I'll definitely have to share that with everybody whenever I post this podcast. I'll share the video with you guys so you can check it out because his commentary makes the whole video along with i mean the project is really cool too, and it really does look like a shark. I saw it in his shop so it's a shark yeah, yeah, it's a shark, like it really does look like a shark
1: like guys are real I shark facts. I mean, as far as we know, they don't write poetry, yeah, you're right. Yeah yeah so that's cool i like I like making videos um I'm starting to do a lot more YouTube content right now. I've been really focusing on um the the content around restoring some v w buses so um I've got a whole big backlog of videos of uh of this this bus that I bought a year ago about a year ago last week and spent a year now putting it back together and putting it back on the road after being parked for 20, I think 23 years.
0: So Mm
1: -hmm. that's been pretty fun. And then I have this sick obsession of pulling really broken VW buses out of fields and making them run and drive again. So I've got a couple of videos where I showcase that. It's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, that's one thing you told me. The day that I came over there, you um, had to go because you told me that you were gonna have like a meeting of VW buses and like you had a meetup and that like people come to your house with their VW buses and you never know who is gonna show up.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a support group, uh, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a problem because I'm everyone's sponsor, so they call me only when they're super broken or need parts, but but then they also just show up to my house every Tuesday. It's been just a standing thing forever. So I literally can't not be home because random strangers will come break down in my driveway. Yeah. I mean, I've had people like drive from Canada to break down in my driveway. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So Um, you
0: actually help these people fix their VW buses?
1: Oh yeah. 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 So my the way I like to do things is I have no interest in fixing your car and you can't pay me to fix your car but myself and and the support of our community will help you fix your car but if you're not willing to turn a wrench we're not going to fix it for you so I like to use it as an educational experience and an empowering experience and we help these people get their cars fixed and learn about it and you know be more independent uh our club is made up of people that at one time all couldn't fix their own car, and now they're fixing each other's.
0: This week's featured partner is Lincoln Electric. Their PowerMIG 140 MP welder is designed for home projects, repair, sheet metal, auto body work, farm, and small shop welding. This multi-process unit is lightweight, portable, connects to the standard 120 volt household outlet. And it's an excellent choice for MIG, DC-TIG, stick, and flux cord welding. What we love about the machine is it has two knobs controlling the wire feed speed and voltage and a single button that allows for easy process selection. Right now on our podcast, we have an exclusive promo code for listeners. This will get you 15% off the Power MIG 140MP and it is valid at store.lincolnelectric.com. The code is Weld Pod W-E-L-D-P-O-D fifteen. W e l d p o d fifteen.
1: Yeah, oh, that's kind of cool.
0: I think that's fair. That, they, that if they're going to drive all that way, I mean, you you you're not a garage.
1: You know, I'm you, not a garage. I yeah. have no interest in being a garage. I have I have enough of my own buses that don't get fixed. So I have no interest in fixing your car. But I'll guide you through it. I'll hand you tools. I've even got the parts sitting on the shelf, but you're going to have to do the work.
0: Yeah. So another class that we didn't get to mention is the Damascus rings. That's one of my favorite things you do actually. And I wish I would have saw that a couple years ago whenever we got married and not to say that I still won't do it because I think that it's just like a really creative way. Um, So couples can come and they can actually forge their own set of wedding rings.
1: Yeah. And that's sort of the whole, um that's how it works. So you can come and spend a 10 to 14 hour day and go home with a ring that you made. And my average customer for that flies here. So they're not local. They come from all over. Um Tomorrow's couples from, I think, Wisconsin. And um, yeah, it's pretty cool. We start, I walk you through the whole process and it all started out When I started making rings, that's the main thing I do. That's the the bread and butter of the business. Um, I had a buddy who wanted a ring. He was getting married and he said, hey, can I be there while you make it? And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then while he was there, I was like, hey, you could do this part. And so I handed him a a tool and he did a little bit. And I would say he made 15 to 20% of that ring. And now, you know, we've just evolved. I've built out a space specifically for it. I've sourced tools specifically for it and now the average person does about 80 to 90 percent of the work which is pretty so how cool. Does
0: that, what does that even look like starting out?
1: So it starts out as a big block of Damascus steel and uh it's just something we have pre-made you don't get to make that uh the day of it just takes too long so we start with a big chunk and you cut a piece off it's got straight layers to it but we want to change that so Every ring is individually forged. We take that piece, we heat it up, and we just start hammering on it until it gets pretty weird. Um, we embrace the mistakes, and and yeah, it gets it gets a little bit funky. So make all kinds of cool things. Uh, we try to introduce weird patterns, and then we put it on a lathe and machine it to to round, and then uh, and to spec, and then we go through and sit at a jewelry bench and you get to solder silver or gold and insert the liner and do all the finish work. And, you know, I mean, you do everything. It's pretty cool.
0: You're definitely trying to make me crazy. I think you programmed your background to have yourself walk around behind you.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) I know exactly what I'm talking about. You insisted on keeping your camera on because everyone, this is recorded on a video. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on to you now. Okay. Okay. Fine.
1: Well, it's every I'm seven and a half you. minutes. I'm going to walk through the background. <laughs> so the, w- the thing like, to okay, do. This now is. A, I'm really you, paying attention. You'll you'll probably want to just leave this in because it's useful to the people to know. But if you're doing things on Zoom, right before you sit down to have your Zoom meeting, uh, on an Apple product, at least open QuickTime Player and record a new video and just record like one minute of the background of what will be your background without you in it. And then just record for like one minute of you walking through from one side to the other and whatnot and looking at the camera and doing weird things. And then while you're in your conference, while you're in your zoom meeting, you can pull up iMovie and edit it together so that you've just got that screenshot static screenshot of the background going on a loop for say seven minutes and then you walk through and then seven more minutes. And then you walk through. So yeah, I, I don't know what it looks like, but I do know that for the next uh, hour, I'm going to walk through every seven minutes.
0: I finally caught on. You were probably like, how long is it going to take her to catch on that? That's really me. It only took me to the second time.
1: Yeah, there's, I think there's seven total, okay. but um, yeah, it's fun to do. Uh, it's, it's, you then you just run the virtual background. So you just go in Zoom to preferences and settings, and you run a virtual background that is the video of you walking through.
0: I'm going to have to try and do that to my boss, because she'll be really confused.
1: Yeah, it's and pretty We're fun. on
0: conference calls a lot.
1: What you want to do is you want to do it right before your conference call, so that you're wearing the same clothes, and the lighting is the same, and all that. Um, the biggest key, the biggest thing I've learned that you have to remember to do is take your chair out of the, out of the frame yeah. for that initial background footage or else uh, your chair will move.
0: Okay. That would be a little bit more creepy too. Yeah. Okay. Back to the Damascus rings. So they have the block. They hammer it down and then so when does it start to get the shape of a ring? Not until the very end?
1: No, about the middle. So we we have this block and it's got a bunch of straight lines in it and we want it to look way cooler than a bunch of straight lines. So we just hit it a bunch with a sledgehammer and an angle grinder and just sort of mess it up a little bit. And that changes and makes all the waves and unique patterns. Then we just go through and we take the, uh, we take that and put it in a lathe metal lathe and the metal lathe does a great job of taking random shaped objects and turning them into perfect circles. So Mm -hmm. we can start with a square if we want, but we usually forge it to pretty round Then we toss it in the lathe and the lathe cuts it down and we make it to size and we have all the math figured out as to what size we need to cut it to, to end in our final ring. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, the lathe we use is a pretty cool South bend lathe and it does a real nice job.
0: So what, out of 10 to 14 hours, you said, what's like the most like labor intensive part? Why does it take so long?
1: Well, it takes so long because you don't know what you're doing. Um, You know, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a full day instructorship of everything from forging to fabrication, to machining, to jewelry work. Okay. Um, you know, I got to walk people through that have no experience. I mean, the average person who comes to do this has never held an angle grinder and a lot of them have never held a hammer. Yeah. So, you know, they're, uh, they're really getting a crash course and a little bit of everything. Yeah. And some people finish earlier. Um, honestly people who are successfully doing it and say have a machining background or whatever, they don't necessarily finish earlier just because we're having more fun and we just stick at it. And our record is a lot more than 14 hours.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm um, sure. Um,
1: we just eat a lot of snacks and have a lot of fun.
0: And then whenever it's finished, um, do you have to like put any kind of special coding on it or anything?
1: No, because we make stainless Damascus. So um, that's what's special and sets me apart is uh, not a lot of... There's a lot of blacksmiths in this world, and there's a lot of people making Damascus steel these days, but there's just not a lot of people making it out of stainless. It's a lot trickier of a process, a lot of proprietary information on how to Mm -hmm. do that, and um, it has no oxidation issues at all. So we've got... You know, I've made quite a few rings at this point and they're they've been in circulation for eight years and uh, I've never had one sent back with any kind of problem
0: yeah that's awesome I definitely yeah. I want to get one made for my husband well I know I know you'll make, you should I come make get it one made that means you're gonna make me come make it for him
1: yeah
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah. it's uh it's just way cooler than going to one of the traditional jewelry routes where you know you walk in and they especially men's rings. So most of what I make is men's rings. And most jewelers these days, they don't even make men's rings. Yep. They don't make them in-house. They order them all out of a catalog. So no matter what sh- store you go to, they're going to have the same like four or five suppliers, and they're going to have the same display pieces, and they're going to order it to size. They don't even have that ring there. There's none that you can try on. Yep. There's no way they can customize it because they don't even make it. So yep. men's rings have become this really – um Uh, odd thing because it's just not special it's you're ordering out of a catalog and you're ordering the same stuff that every other guy has so I think it's cool that not only do I make rings and ship people rings that do stand out and are different um, if you come make it it just becomes that much more special and a lot of guys they just don't care about their wedding ring by the time they're shopping for a wedding ring it's an afterthought they're just getting something because they were told they needed to get something.
0: You're exactly right. I did the same thing to my husband. He could have really cared less. You know what he wears all the time? One of like the silicone like gym rings. So it like, doesn't get scratched up like hitting anything like off of like dumbbells at the gym or anything like that.
1: And I, I fully believe that those silicone rings are the logical thing for most men to be wearing. Um, It's a safety thing, especially anyone doing metal fabrication or welding or whatever you, you shouldn't have because a ring can cut your finger off. A ring can Oh do yeah. do de gloving. I mean it's it's real nasty, but at the same time, no one wants to walk down the aisle with a rubber band.
0: Right. And like, that's why I made him get a real one, which I ended up getting. He actually has a wooden one. So that's what I got him. I got him one made out of like wood because it was like the only thing that looked kind of cool. I think it has like part metal and like part wood or something like that. And it was like off of Etsy, but what you do is much cooler than what we did. And we just did it like three weeks before the wedding because he didn't know what he wanted. But if I would have known about this, um, he definitely would have been way more interested in doing it, you know? And
1: that's the other thing I really enjoy is the average, since I mostly make men's rings, they just don't care to the extent where they forget that it takes time to schedule things or even to make things. So I I'll get people who call me 4 days before their wedding. And they say, "Hey, you know, can can I come make it?" And I'm like, "I'm not available. I'm busy." Like I actually have plans. It's it's pretty wild. And then even, you know, I ship rings all over the world, so you don't have to come make one, but my average lead time is 4 to 6 weeks and people they don't they don't like that. They they'll order you know, the week of their wedding, and then it becomes my problem. But I've gotten really good at dealing with that. I came up with a really elaborate system where for more money, I will work harder. And uh, <laughs> that's yeah, really elaborate. Crazy. yeah, and I, uh, I'm just real honest about it to people. I'm like, okay, every week less than six weeks you want it's 100. It's 100 extra bucks. So if you need it tomorrow, that's cool. But for like 500 extra bucks. Yeah, I'm gonna work tonight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to go to sleep. I can be bought. Um, You know, oh, I had plans with hanging out with my friend. Well, it turns out my friend is also a whore. So if I say, hey, buddy, I can't hang out with you, but I can give you $200 to come hang out with me in the shop while I make this ring instead, they're going to do that. So, you know, we buy all the beer and pizza and your ring gets made. But, um, yeah, if you wait to the last minute, you're going to need to bribe me. That's funny. And I'm available.
0: So you actually do go to like, um I know you have the Makers Camp, which you, you taught me about that. So that's actually coming up in...
1: Yeah. October. So the Catskill Mountain Makers Camp is October 8th through the 11th in upstate New York. And uh, I've been involved with this group since the beginning, and I helped do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for the event. But Basically it is, uh, we get a resort in the mountains and just make stuff. So a couple hundred people show up and we have a huge tent of blacksmithing demonstrations and hands-on activities and just a little bit of everything. You can come make all kinds of things. You can learn about woodworking. There's all these cool makers from the YouTube and internet people. And, um, uh, And there's a lot of really cool classes and sponsorships and brands that are there looking for people and vendors and, you know, just a really, if you've never tried CNC routing wood and you want to figure out how to make a sign with your name on it, like someone's going to sit down with you, help you program it, and they're going to make that sign with you. It's cool.
0: Yeah, it's definitely cool. I've talked to... Um, multiple people here at weld.com and it's definitely something that we're interested in exploring just because of the nature of what we do at weld.com and the educational content that we provide now that you've opened our eyes to like the maker side of things we definitely want to incorporate more of that because I feel like I mean let's be honest the people who are looking up how to weld how to you know I got a welder. What do I do with it? Exactly. Those are people that are hobbyists. Those are people who want to do home projects. They want to do their own repairs. That's like our biggest part of our demographic. So and those that's, that's are obviously going to what be what I see too.
1: Immediate. That's that's what I see too. Is you know a lot of times I get to teach people to weld that are maybe woodworkers, and they're they're good at their woodworking and they're real confident in their woodworking. And they have all their tools and they've got the products that they love to make as a hobby, but they want to make some sweet metal legs for the table that they've got planned out. And they just don't know how to do that. And, and there's this hole in the welding education. And that's, that's what I strive to fill. And that's how do you teach a very fundamental basic and therefore affordable and short class? Because, Uh, The perfect example, and I think I told you this before of how my welding class came together is because my buddy Jim had a hole in his lawnmower, the the lawnmower deck had rusted out. And he said, I need to to just weld a plate over this. And he's retired and he wanted to gain some experience. So he went and took a 40 hour welding class through the local community college. And at the end, he said he didn't know how to weld. All they taught him was how to stick weld pipes. And he was like, I don't want to get a job. In pipelining, I just want to fix the rusty hole in my lawnmower. So I want to buy a welder and I want to fix that. So my class is designed to just fill in that that niche. And we go over a couple of different welders that you'd actually buy and use. And we go over metal prep and you know cleanup and the everything we can pack into a four-hour class. And I've found it's a way better value than taking a 40-hour class. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy. Like you said, there's so many people that they just want to get started. Yeah. And and there's just this hole in the education industry of welding that just doesn't help them with that. There's all kinds of huge popular videos on YouTube on how to set up your TIG welder to get stacks of dimes, but there's nothing on how to use your $99 Harbor Freight, uh, you know, flux core welder to fix a truck frame.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are... Well, when it comes to stuff like that, liability issues, nobody wants to tell somebody how to do, like, a truck frame because in case something would happen to them. But, I mean, well, it, not a it's truck trouble frame, is getting yeah. a welder and, like, now, like, you you have no welding experience, you bought a welder, what do you do first? You know what I mean? Like, not in a school, not in a manufacturing company, but, like, basic safety what you need ppe what do you do do you need gas which gas do you need where do you get that where are you going to store it
1: yeah uh you know and and then the other thing you end up with is is these welding schools that they use these really high-end equipment and that's not what the person's going to buy nope so i teach on a 110 volt mig welder because that's what you're going to buy like i I can have have some $6,000 digital amazing thing, but that's not, it's not relevant to that guy that just wants to put legs on this table. Yeah. So, you know, I, I had a guy the other day that um, had just the, a couple of great questions. And the first one was, they said, I've been looking into this and I've been shopping for welders and I've, I've read all these reviews and i just want to build this table and i've looked at 15 different welders and i came up with this flow chart and the duty cycle is the thing i have the question about how important everyone talks about this one has a better duty cycle or that one has a better duty cycle um you know how what is that and i was like it's completely irrelevant to you welding one thing together for a minute right like it's just crazy to think that no one told them that that's that's really only relevant for how long you can weld for. But if you're just trying to, you know, tack the legs onto a table, that certainly isn't the most important aspect to be shopping. Right. But no one told them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it. My biggest thing is, and from my perspective, sometimes... I'm a little hard on our guys whenever they're making videos that I will ask them to go over the settings of the machine. And they do to the point where they're like, I'm going to set it on like 50 amps. I'm going to set the post flow on this. And, and I'm like, you said what the settings are, but you didn't say why. So it's not really going to help somebody who's a new welder if you're saying what you, what you turned it on. But not only That's that. Great.
1: <laughs> I I get people who, you know, we could be halfway through a class and they go, "What does 50 amps mean?" And I'm like, "That's the amount of heat we're putting in." And they're like, right. "Oh." You know, it's 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 one thing just to tell you what the settings you're using are, but it's another thing to tell you why. But sometimes you even need to back up to what that is. Yeah. What these settings are. And it's it's just crazy to see, you know, people really te- seem to, um, like, cause there's so much welding content that starts with, um, that's like directed towards people that already have a little bit of welding background. Right. And it's it's so hard to make something for a complete beginner because it's hard to think like them it's hard to to remove the knowledge you already have and it's it's really fun Uh, that's my favorite thing i get to do is i get to deal with these complete beginners and you know all the classes i teach have evolved i mean the curriculum of of what it is i'm going over today is going to be completely different than what it was two years ago because I've had these questions asked to me, like, how does an auto darkening helmet work? You know um, it doesn't need you need to understand how that works or else you could use it wrong and it's It's really fun to to go over these things and to figure out what the complete amateurs questions are or will be. I love that aspect of my job.
0: Yeah, I think that you bring an interesting perspective, and I understand why now. Um, sometimes it's hard for Paul like we talk about this all the time and he says that it's hard for him to think just like what you said he's so used to just you know he is a welder by trade and he's not an instructor but he makes videos for us and he's doing a, a better and better job for us like explaining things but he's open to criticism and I actually tell him to pretend like he has like a little kid stand in there saying, but why, but why, but why? Exactly. You know how like a toddler like will repetitively ask you why? I tell him to pretend like that. But I guess that the benefit you have of doing it in person is that you are getting those questions and they are stopping you if you're doing something and showing them.
1: Yeah, and, and they're stopping me and saying, I, I just, I didn't get that. Why, why does that do that thing? And then sometimes I have to think back and be like, oh, why does that do that thing? you know and it's it's really fun because every now and then I have to think of a way of describing or answering a question you know like a scripted answer to a question that is just uh that I never would have come up with I wouldn't have come up with the question it's yeah it's it's really fun and and I mean the other day I was talking about welding gas bottles and we were talking about the pressures and you know maintenance of the bottle and checking the serial you know checking the date codes and this that and the other thing and i was way down that rabbit hole before someone asked what uh what why are the bottles made of steel and i was like huh Hmm. i mean i guess i never really thought of that (laughs) and they're like you know, well, you know, you've got these corrosion issues and this, that, and the other thing, yeah. and I was ready to say, oh, well, it has to be steel because, um, you know, steel can withstand the high pressure better. And then they pointed out, no, um, aluminum bottles for scuba diving are at twice that pressure. Yeah. So why why do they have to be steel?
0: Probably because it's cheaper.
1: It's pro- It's probably because it's cheaper but then you do run the risk of having, you know, rust inside the tank and then the tank is condemned and all that stuff and it it was just it was an interesting question because I hadn't thought about it. And and then it's also crazy to think obviously the main reason is because some of the t- tanks are really old. There's tanks from the 1940s still in circulation today.
0: Yeah, there was actually a guy who shared a story with us Uh, a couple months ago and it was about these like acetylene generators where like they like he used like these tanks it's on my blog actually he was looking for someone who would be interested in them and we were like well they definitely cannot be used like there was so much corrosion and stuff like that like the things probably could not even be moved like I'll send you a picture they did not look stable at all they were so old but they were cool it was a really cool story
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's the way they used to do it, and in fact, that's how acetylene used to be. Acetylene used to always be made like as as a point source, as far as I know, because they did that. um, They did that a lot with mining. So you know, old miners' headlamps ran on acetylene. Yeah, they 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 weren't battery powered. So I think it's carbide, silicon carbide, or something.
0: Yeah, Some, you just put it in,
1: I think, water or acetone or something, and it, it, it produces acetylene gas. So they'd have this tiny little flame inside their helmet, and they're just putting a little chip of carbide in there at the beginning of the day. It's crazy.
0: You are, you are onto something. It was something carb. What the heck was it called?
1: Yeah, I I I always remembered it being carbide, but I, I don't know if it's the same carbide. It's um something like that. But it is cool to think that and and cars had headlights like that. You know, ah, uh, there's there's some real old brass era cars that they don't have electric headlights. They have acetylene powered headlights.
0: Yeah, it was carbide and water. It says these car these things took carbide and water and generated acetylene. They were from the 1900s.
1: Yeah. Because they didn't have a good way of storing it at pressure or probably even getting it to pressure. So mm-hmm. they just made it on site.
0: But anyway, they were pretty cool. So tell me a little bit more about pulling these VW buses out of fields. So, how oh, do Oh, you- I don't know. It's like- just, I have how do you a, find it's a sick.
1: Yeah, it's a sickness. Um, they find <laughs> me at this point. Uh, I've owned uh, just an enormous amount of VW buses. Um, I think I have seven right now. And they just they just come up. I don't know. But the problem is in just the last year, I've had so much fun pulling really bad, super broken ones out of fields and trying to make them drive. Like my goal is to actually drive it out of the field.
0: Okay. And
1: that is uh that is terrible because I've succeeded at it, which means now I'm only looking for worst examples. So I'm constantly looking for a more broken bus and that's not a good thing because eventually there just won't be a bus I'll just find you know a pile of parts and be like can we build this and drive it out of the field and I I don't want that to happen
0: so you try and find out what's wrong with it before you go and you take parts with you and repair it on the spot
1: um yeah (laughs) Uh, I don't try to even find out before I go I can usually figure it out right there I mean the one I did this spring oh look at that guy uh yeah look at that that guy the one okay, I did I got this... it on
0: video. So everybody will know I'm not crazy. I got it on video.
1: Well, you are a little crazy, but the, um, the one I did this spring with my buddy, Dan, he was looking for his first bus. And we found one in West Virginia that had been parked for like 11 years. And we just brought, uh, all the right parts with us and, you know, a new battery and some gas and put air in the tires. And, uh, we actually drove that for like five or seven miles was really irresponsible but um it was fun it was cool
0: so do you once you get them running and everything do you keep them like in their original state or do you ever like refurbish like some of the outside do you ever refinish some of the inside and then do it all
1: um it just depends on what they need you know uh I don't know if you've seen any of my buses, but the red bus um one
0: in the garage I saw.
1: There's four in the garage.
0: Next to your there was only one there whenever oh. I was there next to the welding cage.
1: Well what color was it? I drive a different one to yeah. work every day.
0: Oh it was like tan. I thought.
1: Tan. Huh. it was,
0: tan or I was
1: probably white then? Was it white? Maybe. So well, the white bus has never needed any work, but I do uh I do all the body work on them. I replace sheet metal when it needs it. The big thing is I replaced the engines with more modern engines. The the factory engines were pretty unreliable and under horsepowered. So um I like to put newer engines in that make the car drive better and uh are more fuel efficient or emissions friendly. Um so that's that's my real love of it all is transforming the car with modern components.
0: Yeah. And then you sell them?
1: Not really. I mostly just hoard them. That's why there's 7 of them. <laughs> and uh it's I'm better at building them and buying them than I am at selling them. Um I've sold some, but right now I just I I have the ones I want and I have all I I'm really lucky. I own all of my dream cars. Yeah. <laughs> like uh it's not a lot like I got my first bus in high school. And I knew what model bus I, I really dreamed of, but I couldn't afford it. And then I found one and I bought it and I it was a real bad example, but I fixed it up and now I have it. And then I was like, oh, but I really wish I had one of those too. And then I found that and I bought it up and I fixed it up and now I have that. So I own my dream cars and that's cool.
0: Yeah. They're kind of, they're really big inside. Like they're almost like the size of like a mini RV. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're, uh, they're the same length as the Honda Civic and they have more internal space than a Chevy Suburban. Yeah, That's pretty ridiculous. Yeah,
0: it is. And then also something I noticed whenever I was um, at your places, I saw your polka dot Lincoln helmet, and I recognized the pattern from the Jesse Combs Foundation and how Jesse had like that bandana and how like they made that. And then you told me that you actually um, personally knew Jesse Combs
1: i i'm proud to say jesse was a good friend of mine we talked pretty regularly and uh um it's a big loss to the community but uh she introduced me to thai food it's Hmm. actually the only time i've ever eaten thai food i didn't like it so i'm not gonna try it again but um (laughs) (laughs) that is the only time i've eaten thai food yeah Yeah. (laughs) um Yeah, we were at an event together at Lincoln Electric um, uh, called, uh, what was it called? Um, I don't remember. Man, it was fun. It was, I don't know. I can't remember the name now. That's crazy. But we were at this event, uh, a maker's event, Mm -hmm. and somehow we ended up going, I don't know, we ended up going to dinner together with a group of people, and then over to this other crazy maker space and we just ended up having so much fun uh we stayed in touch and yeah i can't remember why we ended up in some crazy thai food place and then we went and somehow there was really really bad karaoke we were involved in some terrible karaoke but yeah she was a cool cat missed A very uh well-loved individual within the welding world
0: yeah she really was i always follow their page and i love their posts that they make especially like with her like dancing or just carrying on and they'll usually post one that says you don't even need to know who's who's behind that hood you already know that it's her
1: yeah and they're doing um the jesse combs foundation is doing some really cool things and they're gonna actually be at the catskill mountain makers camp um being represented by our other mutual friend, Tamara Robertson from Mythbusters. So she's going to be, she's going to be out there representing them. And I don't know what she's doing for them, but there's, there's something. They'll be at the event.
0: Nice. uh, That's really nice. Uh, Next year, we're definitely going to do something with the Makers Camp. I already talked to some people here and it's something we definitely want to get involved with and, help support you guys and start to learn more about different aspects of, you know, trades like foraging and different kinds of crafts and then also learn what kind of information will be helpful to people who are into woodworking and what kind of level of welding, what process would mostly interest them, how to incorporate maybe um, pieces that might have different kinds of materials like that involved, you know what I mean, for different video ideas.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest things is just that, um, you know, there is this whole other world of people that are sideliners, they are hobbyists, and they're trying to pick up a welder for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such an underutilized and underserved market, and it's it's enormous. I mean, it's fun to think about the fact that you guys are doing such an awesome job catering to welders. but the percentage of people that aren't welders is exponentially bigger, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. the market of people that don't know how to weld is enormously larger than the market of people that do know how to weld. Yep. And there's just all these people. There's, you know, everyone. Everyone is your customer if you're trying to bring them into welding for the first time. And I think that's so cool.
0: Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you in case they want to look up one of your classes about the Damascus rings or the intro to welding? Where can they find you?
1: Oh, I'm uh, I'm the Barefoot Forge. Um, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on the TikToks. You can find me on all of the other sites. Um, YouTube. YouTube. I don't have an OnlyFans yet, but I'm working on that. Um, we
0: talked about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. I'll you help know. you
0: make some content when I come over.
1: Oh, wow. For OnlyFans? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Okay, that just got spicy. Um, but uh, I'm also in person. We teach classes here in the North Hills of Pittsburgh, and uh, you can find me at various events too. I love the maker community, and uh, I tend to travel the country, going to cool events for cool people and with cool people. Yeah, All I've right. also got a podcast, but like you shouldn't listen to it; it's bad.
0: Which podcast is yours?
1: Um, the Makers Happy Hour. It's just uh, we've just got awesome interviews with all these big YouTubers uh, and we talk about everything other than what they make so you know I'm the guy that can take someone with a two million sub YouTube channel and ask them about aquarium fish yeah or if they've ever owned an ant farm
0: you really would yeah yeah
1: Yeah. none of that surprises
0: me at all
1: we've got some some fantastic, uh, some fantastic content out there. We made it to keep our whole community alive when uh, people weren't meeting in person. So uh, we've we've got all kinds. Of, there's a hundred hours of me and my friend Lindsay talking to people. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Crazy. Yeah. So that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Jessica?
0: Where can they find me? They can find me at weld.com w-e-l-d-d-o-t-c-o-m that's where they could find me that's great everywhere every channel not only fans i'm only your camera person
1: okay wow that's even weirder
0: wait you actually have a link on your website
1: oh yeah
0: (laughs) it does you actually do have a link and then it says (laughs) i clicked it (laughs)
1: What do you think?
0: <laughs> I did click it and I was like, what I
1: Yeah, was- there is a link in my Instagram bio uh to my OnlyFans and I just did that as a joke yeah. and it's pretty funny. You should go there and click it. Um but what's fun is I cause it goes to my website, I can look at the demographics and like that's the most popular web page on my website, which means okay. everyone's looking at my Instagram and thinking like Oh, he's got an OnlyFans. I gotta check this out. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's weird, but
0: yeah. What did they expect? Yeah.
1: I don't know, but it's bringing in traffic, um, and it's.
0: We can I, at least get hey, these feet get, pick. We can at least take some feet picks or something.
1: There's a foot pick on there.
0: That's what it is.
1: Yeah, it's it's one foot pick.
0: Yeah, I thought so.
1: Yeah, and uh, those are my feet. I I don't have a foot like i don't i don't have a double for that i show my own my own feet i do my own stunts too
0: Not nothing yeah obviously the guy in the background yeah yeah okay all right um, everyone yeah. well i will talk to you guys all again next week and thank you craig i will be in touch soon about stopping by for a welding
1: class Yeah, I want to see you again soon. This was fun. I'm glad I could talk to your audience. Um, Maybe we'll do this again sometime, but with more beers. This just didn't have enough beers. For sure. All
0: right, everyone. you <laughs>